Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us here at midweek and letting us be part of your day. Hope you're having a good day. I tell you, I'm, I'm here in west central Illinois. It's been an interesting week. A lot of rain in the forecast, but so far the rain has held off. And I've talked with several farmers who have said, yeah, that, you know, they've got some planting done, and some of them are really caught in between right now. They have planted fields that they that are crusted over and they could actually use some rain on them to help that uh, crop get up and going. But in the meantime, they have other fields that are still too wet. They've never been able to get in them yet this spring. So they're caught really in between between wanting a rain and not wanting a rain. And uh, that's kind of where we're at. It's just one of those springs where, you know, the planting has been starting and stopping a little here, a little there. Uh, You know, farmers a third done, a half done, a fourth done or whatever on corn. Uh, not many beans planted yet. Some, of course, not even able to get going because of flooding and other situations. So we just haven't had that everybody going almost at the same time uh, like we usually do at some point in the spring. Hopefully that's coming soon, but uh, we continue to wait. We'll get a planning update from uh, northeast Nebraska with Greg Anderson joining us a little bit later on the program. I was talking with him yesterday. He was not planning yesterday. He said not only is it wet there, but it's uh, still cold. So we'll get an update from him. Uh, Lots to talk about with trade. The president tweeting again about the of the China situation. We're going to talk with the CEO of the American Soybean Association, Ryan Finley, get his reaction to all this, and Arlen Suderman with INTL FC Stone as we'll talk about the market reaction to uh, the trade talks as well. So all that coming up here on today's program. But let's start it off with a look at the news. DTN reporter Todd Neely is with us. Hi, Todd. How are you? Hi, Mike. Good. Not hardly a day goes by, I guess, that we don't talk about China in one form or another, do we? No, it's just an, it's a never-ending story. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, think, it, uh, you know, it's interesting. Being, I'm sorry. It it impacts so many things, doesn't it? I mean, uh, whether we right. get a deal or don't get a deal, I mean, we're we're seeing negative impact. I mean, the president tweets something about you know, you know higher tariffs, and we see the stock market take a huge dip. We know how the impact on grain prices. Is. It's just, uh, I mean, it's it it. It shows just how important a market that is, and also you try not to get too reliant on any one market, and we talk about diversification of markets and things like that, but still, when you have a market that huge, it's just going to have big implications. Absolutely, you know, and when you look at China, like you said, it's it's a market that practically every sector of agriculture can benefit from. Um, You know, I talk a lot about ethanol, but I think... uh, when you look at China and the future of China on the, in that regard, um, you know, they're, they're looking to blend more ethanol there, and it's a potentially huge market for American ethanol. Um, I think that's something that we probably don't talk a lot about, uh, you know, with the corn situation and all the other commodities. Um, but also, I, I think uh, when you look at what's going on now, I think it's quite clear that President Trump is uh, looking at the long end game to this. Um, you know, we've had so many situations where we hear that, you know, we're nearing an agreement, uh, then to hear that, well, not quite yet, you know, and there's no official word from the Chinese themselves. Um, and then you get back to a situation now where uh, it looks like we're having additional tariffs slapped on China uh, in this whole thing. And so I think, 
Uh, it seems, though, in rural America, people have been quite patient with the president and where he's going with this. Um, and I, but I do think that you know, as we go into the next year or two, I think uh, we really need to see something on the agriculture side of this. Uh, you know, we know it's a long game, but it's a long game that's hurting a lot of people. Sure is. Uh, we're talking with DTN reporter Todd Neely. Todd, speaking of ethanol, uh, interesting that some House members, some, what, 35 House members, have asked EPA Administrator Wheeler to stop granting waivers to the RFS. Yeah, you know, and we've seen we've seen a number of members of Congress in some form or another uh, reach out to EPA on this issue. Um, and, you know, yesterday we had, like you said, we had 35 members of the House. Uh, you know, it's a relatively small number in comparison to the entire body. But um, I think Wheeler and EPA, I think they're going to be seeing quite a bit more pressure coming their way on this. Um, you know, and the one thing that we've seen uh, also this week, EPA is defending itself in court uh, in an ongoing uh, waivers case filed by the Advanced Biofuels Association. Um, and it was interesting, in, in, a, in a motion that they filed in the court, uh, they basically made the argument that while the Clean Air Act may be flawed, um, and while the RFS pro- program itself, uh, you know, it encourages the use of renewable fuels, uh, it, they said the EPA made the comment that it doesn't do that at all costs. And so I thought that was an interesting statement in, in, a, in a court filing that they made. And it appears to me, when you look at this, this particular case, uh, EPA is really fighting uh, to keep that waivers program going. And so, you know, for people holding out for some changes in the agency on this on this front, I, I don't think that's going to happen unless uh, there's some sort of a, a court case such as this, or, you know, there's several others that are ongoing. Uh, I think we're going to have to depend on one of those cases being successful. And meanwhile, we count down the days. Are they going to have approval of uh, EPA, uh, by EPA for E15 for the whole country for this summer? Right. Yeah, I, you know, I think it's going to happen. Um, You know, as we've talked about before, once this rule becomes final, it is definitely going to a court case. I mean, it's just inevitable at this point. And so I think uh, we're going to have it finalized, and whether, um, you know, there's a split, you know, maybe an injunction requested to stop the rule, I don't know. Um, I don't think that that's actually going to happen. I think uh, E15 is probably going to make it on time, and I think, uh, you know, we're going to see a case that's going to carry out for some time. Um, As you know, we have E15 for sale across, you know, most of the country throughout the year, and so we're looking at, uh, we're looking at a rule here, which is just expanding those sales to the entire country. And so I suspect if someone tries to make a, a court argument that uh, we need to put an injunction on this rule, that that's probably not going to go very far since the product's already sold. Right. And meanwhile, EPA again stating that glyphosate is safe as uh, talk about a court case. There's yeah. a big one on glyphosate. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think... Um, you know, it never seems to, you know, it seems to amaze people at, at how many times this, this has come up from EPA. You know, EPA does a review of this product as it does other products every uh, every so often. and uh, It may be one of the most along, tested products we have, yeah, right? Absolutely. The science has been behind it entirely, and EPA has been pushing on it and keeping very consistent on it, regardless of the administration. So. Um, it'll be interesting to see if how this plays out because we've got a number of lawsuits ongoing across the country, and 
uh, here we have EPA still standing behind it. Big implications there, too, uh, how that all turns out. All right, Todd, lots going on. Yep. Thanks for the update. Right. Hey, thank you, Mike. DTN reporter Todd Neely. All right, so as we all watch these talks this week with China and what comes out of them, the president says they're coming over here to make a deal. We will see. Let's talk about it with the CEO of the American Soybean Association, Ryan Finley. He joins us next here on AOA. Powerful, effective, proven, consistent, reliable. A lot of adjectives can describe a herbicide's weed control, but one only applies to Liberty Herbicide. Superior. Liberty Herbicide has no known resistance in row crops, more convenient application flexibility, and excellent control of key weeds, all backed by the Liberty Weed Control Guarantee. Learn more at liberty.basf.com. Grow smart with BASF. Always read and follow label directions. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, joining us from Fargo, North Dakota, Rusty Halverson, Farm Director for the American Ag Network, about Secretary Purdue coming to North Dakota, and Rusty was there to cover it. Thanks for joining us this morning. Rusty, um, what was the takeaway from the Secretary's visit? Well, good morning, Mike. The Secretary is in town to have a roundtable with leaders of the area commodity groups and also get a little preview of some technology that we're working on here in the Red River Valley in North Dakota. But the main takeaway from that roundtable, I think, Mike, was trade, trade, trade. Everybody's concerned about our negotiations on trade deals, not only with China, but also the EU and how they say they don't want ag as part of the talks. And there is some optimism about our talks with Japan and, and the potential that we have in that market. So mostly trade, but also obviously the weather too, Mike, was uh, heavy on many producers' minds. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Everyone responds differently to change. Some are frightened by it, some try to ignore it, and some are inspired by it. Poet has always shared a true connection with farmers. And like farmers, we see the world differently. We're inspired by change. So when it comes to the challenge of climate change, we see opportunity to make the air cleaner, to make our country safer, to leave the planet we've been given just a little better. Biofuels and oil alternatives, solutions for a brighter, more sustainable world. Get inspired with us. Visit Poet.com. So you want to stay on top of the week's agriculture news and have it available at your fingertips. Well, tune in to the American Ag Network Week in Review podcast. It's 15 minutes of the week's top agriculture stories, published every Saturday and available anytime on iTunes, TuneIn, and Podbean, or by clicking the link on our website, AmericanAgNetwork.com. Tune in to the American Ag Network Week in Review podcast to go more in-depth on the week's top stories. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. 
Antonio H. told us, great company. Got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Today. Auto financing the easy way. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Joined now by the CEO of the American Soybean Association, Ryan Finley. Ryan, I stayed up late watching that double overtime thriller, the Blues beating Dallas last night in the playoffs to go on to the Western Conference Finals. I've got to imagine there's a lot of sleepy people in uh, St. Louis today, maybe even at the ASA offices. <laughs> yeah, I think that there are. What a fantastic game. The shots wow. on goal, the shots in general by the Blues were incredible. But, yeah, it was, it was great hockey. Sure was. Well, let's turn our attention to China where so many people were looking and it I'm I'm amazed the times in which we live now. I mean, the stock market moves up and down based on tweets by the president. So you go to Twitter to see what the president's mm-hmm. saying and you and you see what the stock market's doing, but the president says that um, you know, China is re- basically coming to the US to strike a trade deal. Well, that sounds more positive than what we heard earlier in the week. How are you reacting to all this that you're hearing right now? It is, it's a predicament for soybean farmers, isn't it? I mean, we're, we're there. I think farmers, when we visit with our our leadership, when we talk to farmers in the countryside, a lot of them say, "Hey, we understand the the president and the administration and what they're trying to do, uh, the goals that they're trying to achieve for our country and dealing with China," and yet at the same time. Farmers are really hurting financially because we've lost our biggest market for soybeans. And that just makes it really, really difficult to be in this situation. So the president also tweets about China coming to the U.S. to strike a trade deal and saying, we'll see, but I am happy with over $100 billion a year in tariffs filling U.S. coffers. Great for the U.S., not good for China. Uh, You know, that doesn't help the ag economy much, though, does it? No, it doesn't, and, and that's tough. I mean, the, those tariffs are paid by U.S. consumers, so we're filling our own coffers, if you look at it in, in one way. Obviously, it's a deterrent to import goods from China, but, and, I, and I saw that tweet this morning, and it's, uh, we're going to take, take the silver lining here and say China, despite this back and forth, China still plans on coming to the U.S. tomorrow to negotiate. So I think that's a really good sign. The fact that the U.S. called China out on, on reneging on some of the issues that they had already agreed to, I think that was helpful, and, and to a degree. Now, we don't know if this is part of that, but we've seen 20 million metric tons of purchases, good faith. I put air quotes around good faith purchases by China promised, and we've only realized 5 million metric tons. So there's clearly a, a concern in the disconnect that we have there. And, and so while we have these concerns, while we want to keep China true to their word, we're also really struggling because we have to have a deal 
agriculture, soybean farmers need to have a deal. You look at the situation, Ryan, in China with African swine fever, there's been a lot of speculation that once that deal, if it gets done here in the near future, that it, at least at the beginning may have a bigger opportunity to help the pork industry, although that eventually does help the soybean industry, but uh, maybe right. fewer soybean sales because of uh, the loss of so many uh, hogs over there. Yeah. You know, uh, pork is just refined soybeans, so we'll take that. If we're able to move some of our pork and, and refine those soybeans here, I think that would be great. Uh, it'd be good for our soybean farmers, great for our pork producers. We'd love to see that continue. But um, to, to get into uh, an agreement that allows us to trade as the market sees fit, I think, is appropriate. And that's what we need to get to. If African swine fever dictates that China buys more hogs than soybeans, that's okay, but the market should do that, not artificial barriers that both sides are throwing up using tariffs. Talking with Ryan Finley, CEO of the American Soybean Association, also on the trade front, Ryan, we've heard some people now speculating that the window is closing on getting USMCA passed this year. Do you think we're, we're in that tough a shape on USMCA, or you, do you still see the opportunity to get it done this year? I still think that we have some opportunities to, to push it through this year. I know that there's some rhetoric out there and the window's closing and there are some that are getting frustrated about one side or the other doing this or that. But I think if everybody steps back and they realize the importance of Canada and Mexico to the U.S. economy and to the trading relationship that we have with both of them, they're going to say, hey, this is a good deal. It improves that relationship. It cleans up some issues we've had before. For agriculture, there are a couple of placeholders, specifically on biotech, that just weren't in the original agreement that are really beneficial. Uh, so I think that this, this is a positive agreement. Agriculture certainly wants it. And we're pushing on members of Congress to say, hey, let's, let's move forward with this agreement. You know, when I look at these uh, issues, and I, and I realize they're more than just agriculture, but agriculture is really getting greatly impacted by these issues right now, especially with China. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we're in, obviously we're in a presidential uh, campaign already as we look to the next election. Um, wow, the agriculture has, for the most part, stayed pretty steadfast in its support for the president. At some point, though, as you alluded to earlier, the administration has to deliver on some of these things. Absolutely, they do. Uh, And I think agriculture and farmers um, have been very positive towards some of the efforts and initiatives that this administration has pushed forward. But farmers are saying the the lender is leaning on me pretty heavy right now. I talked to a grower yesterday in uh, the Dakotas who made the comment, um, you know, it's it's raining right now, and that's preventing me from putting something in the ground that the day I plant it, I'm guaranteed a loss. And that's not a fun situation to be in for a farmer. And I know that there's a lot of listeners out there that are in that situation. And, and so our job as an organization, I know several other commodity groups are doing the same, is to push on the president and say, look, we don't have time to wait for another election. We need to move these trade agreements right now, and we need to solve some of these challenges that are facing us right now. Let's not wait. Let's get it done. And so this is really tough. It's a very difficult position for farmers to be in, and I think patience is starting to wear thin, and that's what we're we're letting people in D.C. know. 
And because every time I hear when the president touts the good economic news for the country, and I'm glad to hear that good economic news, but I also cringe a bit because the other part of that that he's not talking about is the ag economy is not doing that well. Right, right. And I, and I, I do feel there's somewhat of a disconnect that the, the president is seeing there and not recognizing farm income is half of what it was in 13. There's a real struggle on the countryside right now. I think while he's pushing and doing things that are beneficial for agriculture, um, or could be if we get some of these agreements in place, uh, there is a little bit of a disconnect on, on the real uh, impact that farmers are facing right now. And that's, that's something that we have reached out to USDA. We've reached out to people at USTR. We've reached out to people within the White House to try and explain Hey, there's a lot of there's a lot of pain, and it isn't just financial. I mean, there, this takes an emotional toll on farmers and rural communities as well. And and so, we've reminded many people in D.C. of that, and and hopefully we start to see things turn around for agriculture, and we see some wins, and and we're able to see an increase in our economic outlook. On the biodiesel front. Uh... I talked about this earlier in the program, but there were 35 House members calling on EPA to stop granting waivers to the RFS. Those waivers have really harmed the biodiesel industry. Yeah, it's, it's really reduced our ability to fulfill um, the renewal fuel standard, to, re, to fulfill the, the obligation that is there um, under the law and what EPA has established. I think it's unfortunate that there are, we continue to see these small refinery exemptions that, that are going out there, we produce an awesome product. I mean, biodiesel is phenomenal, and this is something that we should be encouraging and we should be pushing for. We shouldn't be providing these gaps that allow people to, uh, to not adhere to what EPA has put together and what the intent of, of what Congress passed is there. And to get a tax extenders package with the biodiesel tax credit would help, too. I think so. Absolutely. That, I mean, we're pushing for that. And I, I really, if you look at biodiesel, we are, on, we are still in that adolescent stage where this, this um, tax package would provide the incentive for investment. It would provide the incentive to improve efficiencies as we grow older and, and it's more established. But I, I think that it would send the right signal to the biodiesel industry that Congress is behind you that the administration is behind you, keep investing in this technology, and this is a product that we can produce here and use here. All right, Ryan, as always, good to talk with you, and hopefully we'll have uh, some good news this week in these China talks, and uh, when we talk again uh, after that, we'll have some more positive news to discuss. We're hoping so. Thanks, Mike. All right, take care. Ryan Finley, CEO. How are the markets looking at the this trade situation with China. We'll get an update from Arlen Suderman with INTL FC Stone next on AOA. Talk 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 There's a lot of talk coming from the makers of wheat fungicides these days. And some of them are really talking up some pretty big claims. But when you eliminate the fungicides that are Johnny-come-latelys, the ones without a proven track record, and the ones from makers who consider wheat to be just an afterthought, there's really only one left to talk about. The one you know and can trust. Caramba fungicide from BASF. 
It gives you best-in-class head scab suppression, top-level dawn reduction, and excellent control of late-season foliar diseases. And all of that gives you a proven yield advantage over untreated infected wheat acres. Caramba fungicide from BASF. For time-proven performance you can trust, everything else is just... Talk, 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 To learn talk, how Caramba fungicide can help your wheat's yield potential, talk to your BASF representative. Grow smart with BASF. Always read and follow label directions. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Whether you're on the road or in the field, you need more than typical number two diesel. You need a heavy-duty diesel like Cenex Premium Diesel. It comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. It's the diesel that keeps your equipment out of the shop and restores power by as much as 4.5% and fuel economy by up to 5%. So ask yourself, if you could be any diesel, which diesel would you be? Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Your harvest is your most important asset. It's like money in the bank and you can get everything you need to store and protect it through one source, your FS Grain System Specialist. With any brand of grain system you choose, your specialist will oversee planning and construction to make sure it's done right. And you can count on FS for maintenance too. Contact your local FS company or visit fsgrainsystems.com. It's one more way FS is bringing you what's next. Time for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Grain traders concerned about planting progress. The weather forecast showing one to four inches of rain, maybe more this week through portions of the Corn Belt. That has some traders already talking about acres switching from corn to beans and also possible yield reductions. Meanwhile, traders for fresh developments on U.S. and Chinese trade negotiations. The U.S. Trade Representative's Office filed paperwork to formally raise tariffs to 25% from 10% on about $200 billion a year of Chinese imports, effective on Friday. That carries through on the threat made by the president over the weekend. In the grain and oil seed sector, an easier tone in corn and soybeans an hour into the trading day, Three to four cents lower in corn with July down four, three sixty two and a half. New crop December, three eighty and a half, down three and a quarter. July soybeans down four and a quarter at eight twenty six and a half. November down three and a half, eight forty nine and a half. Chicago wheat trending three and a fraction lower. July at four thirty six and a quarter, down three and a quarter. Kansas City wheat July down three and a quarter at four dollars and three quarters of a cent. Minneapolis spring wheat, July down three, five eighteen and three quarters. September new crop down two and three quarters, five twenty-six and three quarters of a cent. Cotton market on a Wednesday, July down eighty-nine at seventy-two twenty-nine. Live cattle futures, June up fifty at one twelve seventy-five. August feeders up fifty-two at one forty-six twelve. June lean hogs down seventeen at eighty-nine fifteen. Dow down 13. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. 
Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything, editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Synex Premium Diesel. Synex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. All right, we continue to ride the roller coaster on these China trade talks. Uh, Earlier in the week or over the weekend, the president tweeting about increasing tariffs by Friday, and that uh, had such a negative reaction. Now the president's saying, well, China's coming to, to make a deal, so now we're seeing a little sunshine through all the clouds. Let's talk about it with Arlen Suderman, chief commodities economist for INTL FC Stone. Arlen, how are you reading all this with the uh, with the talks this week? Both sides are tough negotiators. Both sides are following the playbook. Both sides have studied each other intensely. And uh, we found a document from 1985. It was a commission study by the U.S. government on how to negotiate with the Chinese. And it, th- it warns in that that the Chinese tend to move the goalposts at the end of the period, making it hard to get to that final agreement that they will want to renegotiate at the end. And that's exactly what they did on Friday night late, um, sending a communique to the U.S. team in Washington, re-editing much of what they had already done and backing away. That agree that uh, 1985 document recommends that the way to counteract that is to have a counter tactic of throwing them off balance. So literally, the words that it used uh, was something, and that's what Trump did with the tariff. So now they tried to throw us off balance. We responded. They know what the response is. They know now. Now we watch to see how they respond. They had to show some some disdain back home to the 400 leaders within the Communist Party to maintain their support. So the vice premier is showing up late. That's their way of sending a message, we're not happy with what you did. But he is coming. He's coming a day late, but he is coming, and that indicates that they still have interest in talking about a deal. So I think the opportunity is still there for a deal. By the end of this week, we know if trade talks have broken off, or if we are moving toward a trade deal and we have a big USDA WASDE report, there's a tremendous amount of things that could impact the market here in the next few days. Yeah, it really could. I, I just wonder if somehow I find it hard to believe all of a sudden we're going to have a deal by the end of this week, but maybe they come some. there's an announcement, hey, uh, we're, we're closer, we, we agreed to keep talking. Do uh, you, you see it maybe extending on a while longer, though? 
Well, that's a possibility, and uh, with the Chinese, it's always hard to know. But the fact is, most of the agreement has been negotiated. They tried to back away from that. They got hit with the tariff promise that will happen on Friday. So will they say, ah, just kidding? Uh, obviously, they wouldn't say it that way. Uh, we'll go ahead with the agreement. In that case, you could have a deal. Or they could stick to their guns with what they faxed in on Friday night, and the U.S. team would say, we're walking away. It's probably going to be something in between. And my guess is it's going to be we're going to come out of it and say, okay, it was very productive talks. They were very serious about getting back to the original agreement, but it's going to take another week or two to really finalize this. That's my guess if I had to be an odds maker or what we'll probably see come out of it. Yeah, I'm kind of leaning that way, too. We're talking with Arlen Suderman with INTLFC Stone. So coupled with all this, of course, is the uh, challenges of this planting season. And as you mentioned, uh, WASD numbers uh, coming. I mean, there's a lot that potentially could have hit this market all at the same time. There absolutely is. And the weather forecast for 11 to 15, well, really the 6 to 15-day period initially looked like maybe we were going to start looking better for the Midwest, moderating temperatures drying out. But then that 11, 15-day really swung wet again for the Midwest. That takes us late into May. So now we're not only looking at potential acreage losses, we're looking at a tendency for reduced yield. Um, a lot of farmers talk about the possibility of prevent prevent plant when you got farmers in southern Illinois who say uh, if I don't plant my soybeans I can get $400 an acre for doing nothing on prevent plant that starts opening up some eyes and they're praying for rain down there so that they can't plant um, so the potential for lost acreage on both corn and soybeans is very real but I also say the statistical correlation between farmers saying they're thinking about it on May 8th and what actually happens uh, in a few weeks is very low. So many things here. You mentioned the prevent plant. You've also got the possibility of switching corn acres to beans. Have you also got the uh, uh, growing possibility of what is planted having reduced yields when we're talking corn especially. So you've got a lot of factors at play here. Absolutely. And I know one farmer in southern Minnesota who worked hard and got all of his corn planted about 10 days ago and I said you must feel very good about the fact that all your corn is in the ground and I said you also must feel very anxious about the fact that all your corn is in the ground and he said exactly uh, you look at soil temperatures they're basically below that magic 50 degree level uh, really from uh, uh, the the northern two-thirds of the belt they falling below 50 degrees at night we need to see it consistently above 50 degrees and obviously and you get into the Dakotas you're talking about soil temperatures falling into the 30s that's not good for corn planting certainly we could talk about issues with getting spring wheat planted as well and uh, so I think there's some real concerns that we're going to see acreage switches and pre-plant acres being at a much higher than average level this year. Yeah, I talked with a farmer here in West Central Illinois last night where the rains have held off here this week so far. There's still rain in the forecast for uh, tonight and into tomorrow. But he's got corn planted that could use a rain because it's crusted over. He needs a rain to get it up, but he's still got other fields that he hadn't even been able to get into because they're still too wet. So he, he, he and many others are torn on that. Yeah, and cool, so, cool temperatures simply do not dry out the soils. 
So in many cases, the areas that have missed the rains have just been cool and had trouble drying things out. So uh, it is a difficult spring. And correspondingly or ironically, 1993 is still one of the analog years in the weather forecast, if you look at some of the factors driving it. Now, the odds of a 1993 summer are still only about 18%, but that's about a 1 in 5 chance. You still can't rule it out, and it's one of the risks that we're facing as we go into uh, the late spring period. So what are the markets assuming at this point? Still assuming it gets planted, still assuming big production, or are they starting to back off of that a bit? They're assuming big production. Um, they're assuming um, no impact of a trade deal. So either we we don't get a trade deal or we do and there's not much impact. Uh, they're assuming that we have a lot of moisture, so we're going to have high yield potential. They're looking at the summer forecast for good moisture. Uh, and uh, they're assuming we're going to have corn stocks above $2 billion for the 2019-20 marketing year. Uh, they're assuming that soybean stocks are going to stay below a billion bushels, which I think really needs to be uh, challenged when we look at the demand destruction taking place in China. Uh, they're assuming uh, wheat stocks going to stay high. So they're assuming more of the same over the coming year. That's what's been priced in. So they're really pricing in a worst-case scenario going forward. So how how do we do a price outlook then not knowing – about how the planting is going to wrap up, when it's going to wrap up, and not knowing what's going to happen with China. It's very challenging. It's challenging for us, but it's even more challenging for the farmer who needs to try to put together a plan. And uh, so what what he really needs to stay focused on is really knowing his numbers so that he can, you know, while it's raining and he can't be outside working, running those numbers so that he knows if we do get a pop in the market, what are the benchmarks so they could start scaling in some sales, taking advantage of it, hitting a lot of singles, and probably not going to be opportunities for home runs, but hitting a lot of singles in that marketing plan to try to get up, try to cover those costs, uh, and uh, hold on to the, protect the equity in the farm. If we get a trade deal announced this week, what's the potential pop in the market? I think the potential is greatest for corn. Um, because that's where the balance sheet outside of China is the tightest. Uh, it doesn't say tight, but it, it has the least margin for error. And we continue to hear from our contacts in China a lot of interest in buying corn, ethanol, and DDGs. And so if that is built into the trade agreement, as we believe it will be, then we could see a significant pop considering the massive short positions the hedge funds currently have. That would also pull up wheat. Wheat would also benefit, but I think it'd benefit most from the move in corn. In soybeans, fundamentally it's difficult to see this trade agreement saving the soybean balance sheet. But a significant increase in corn, I think, would give us an initial short-covering rally in beans that would provide farmers a selling opportunity. I don't think that that rally in soybeans would last long, but it would provide an opportunity. But the potential is greatest in corn. What about the hog market? Hog market, interesting, we've really seen a lot of weakness of late in the meat sector and especially in the hogs and obviously limit and expanded limit lower days. 
and much of this has been a combination of the breakdown in the trade talks as well as the disappointment we haven't seen shipment in pork yet. We actually don't think we're going to see a lot of that shipment of pork until maybe September and beyond, so especially in the fourth quarter, although we do still see evidence that China still kind of locking up the supplies. Um, so we still see the strong fundamentals. We're still at 40% down in hog feeding in China. We have seen one animal health industry ind individual actually say hog feeding is down 50%. We would agree in the major producing areas that's what it's down, but nationally wow. more like 40%. So we think it's still a long-term issue, trade deal or no trade deal. All right, Arlen, we'll see what happens this week with the talks. Thank you very much. Thank you. Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for INTL FC Stone. Next, a planting update. We'll go to Nebraska. For that, stay with us here on Adams on Agriculture. Talk, 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 There's a lot of talk coming from the makers of wheat fungicides these days. And some of them are really talking up some pretty big claims. But when you eliminate the fungicides that are Johnny-come-latelys, the ones without a proven track record, and the ones from makers who consider wheat to be just an afterthought, there's really only one left to talk about, the one you know and can trust, Caramba fungicide from BASF. It gives you best-in-class head scab suppression, top-level Don reduction, and excellent control of late-season foliar diseases. And all of that gives you a proven yield advantage over untreated, infected wheat acres. Caramba fungicide from BASF. For time-proven performance you can trust, everything else is just... Talk, 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 To learn talk, how Caramba talk. fungicide can help your wheat's yield potential, talk to your BASF representative. Grow smart with BASF. Always read and follow label directions. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff, even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover keytar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. We create professional materials and submit them to companies who are looking for new ideas in your category. We have more than 9,000 companies who have agreed to review new ideas in confidence. If a company shows interest in manufacturing, 
manufacturing your invention, we can negotiate on your behalf. We have helped over 10,000 clients receive patents. We offer 3D modeling and animation, prototyping services, and we use state-of-the-art technology to present client ideas to additional companies. Join people just like you who made the call to InventHelp. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 1-800-213-4556. That's 1-800-213-4556. Again, 1-800-213-4556. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, Pete McClymonth's with us, Executive Vice President of Nebraska Cattlemen's. Pete, last time we talked, you were still trying to get an assessment on uh, the losses and the situation. Now that you've had a little bit of time, uh, what can you tell us? Can you give us an update? We've heard some producers have been made whole if they've had a good insurance plan in place. And so if there's no reason for them to sign up for a livestock indemnity program funds via USDA, we might have a really hard time knowing the number. But Mm -hmm. this could stretch into the middle of the summer when we get a good handle on it. So I'm not answering the question specifically, but I think given 1.94 million beef cows in our state, you know, and coupled with some other losses, I think it would be fair to say easily over 200, maybe 250,000. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. People respond differently to change. Some are frightened by it, some try to ignore it, and some are inspired by it. Those who spend their days tending to the land have a unique perspective on change. They see it up close every day as one season fades into another, as a seed grows into a stalk, as a field of gold is spun out of the land, sun, and sky. Change is their livelihood. Since the beginning, Poet has shared a fundamental connection with farmers. And like farmers, we see the world differently. We are inspired by change. Climate change may be the most daunting challenge yet, but we believe it's not insurmountable. The same spirit of innovation that helped build a worldwide biofuels industry will help us tackle the environmental issues we're facing today together. Sustainable biofuels, oil alternatives, nutrient-rich proteins. These solutions create cleaner air and a more sustainable world. Get inspired with us. Visit Poet.com. You're going to need us. All of us. You're going to need our technical skills. Our math. Our engineering skills. You're going to need our help with your water. Your air. Your food. You're going to need our organizational skills. Our problem-solving skills. You're going to need our determination. Our honesty. Our compassion. You're going to need the next generation of leaders to face the challenges the future will bring. And we promise we'll be there when you need us. Today, 4-H is growing the next generation of leaders. Support us at 4-H.org. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. 
So yesterday afternoon, I called Greg Anderson in northeast Nebraska to see if he was planting, and he was not. He joins us now with an update. But you do have some planted, right, Greg? I do, Mike. I was uh, really fortunate last week to get into the field a couple, three days there. And with the late April plantings, I'm about a third done. But it's raining today. Had almost an inch of rain overnight into this morning. It's still currently raining. and It's supposed to rain all day today, even into tomorrow morning. It's uh, quite confident that I will not be able to get back in the field this week, hopefully early next. Plus, it's cold, right? You can say that again. Uh, we had highs in the high 40s uh, last couple of days. Uh, it's around 50 today. And I just consulted the Weather Service. They're talking of a chance of frost on Friday morning. That's something that we certainly don't want or need right at this point. So are you feeling good about that you've got that much planted, or are you concerned about it uh, being planted in those kind of conditions now? Well, I was just talking with a neighbor about that very thing yesterday morning, and uh, the neighbor uh, said that he has about 250 acres of, of beans and has not started on corn, and we were both saying, well, is this a good thing, or, or should we, we uh, feel good about getting uh, that much done to date, or would we be better off just not having any beans in the ground and waiting for those soils to warm? Um, it's... Uh, one uh, saving grace, I think, Mike, is uh, it's almost everyone is using treated seed, which uh, is going to help a, a bunch. But yet uh, those soybean seeds are going to be laying in the ground until they get some warm, uh, warmer weather to, for them to emerge and, and get going. And you, of course, you, as we said before, you plant all soybeans. What is the date, Greg, that you look at on the calendar and say, if I don't get done by this date, I'm probably going to start losing yield? Well, that's the uh, date is approaching. I, I really feel, based on a lot of university studies and so forth, and in fact, the University of Nebraska has done a, a comprehensive study in the fact that, uh, and and that's uh, Lincoln-based. We're about 120 miles uh, from Lincoln. But they target uh, May 1st. After May 1st, you use, generally use uh, lose, that is, about one-third of bushel per day uh, planted after that. And... So I'm, I would, you know, going into this season, I really circled May 10th. I'd like to be done by then. Um, that's not going to happen. And uh, hopefully I could get to halfway or two-thirds done by May 15th. After that, uh, it does begin to fall off, and, and certainly we don't want to be planting into early June. But I'm afraid that's going to be uh, just the, the way that's going to happen this year. Uh, beans are going to go in uh, rather late uh, especially towards that tail end of the season. Here we are at May 8th. How much did you have done at this time a year ago? I think uh, I was just a little bit ahead of that uh, a year ago, although last spring here in northeast Nebraska, we, we faced a, a late spring as well, uh, cold temperatures, uh, that type of thing. It's just that it has uh, been enhanced this year by, by even longer, uh, colder temperatures and more moisture. But yet, looking back, Mike, uh, you know, last year I had the best bean yields I ever had. Uh, it, mm-hmm. the, the summer adjusted. We had some uh, beautiful warm days, uh, lots of sunshine for those uh, beans to excel, and then timely rains towards uh, Podville, which uh, really, uh, you know, made up for the later planting. And so we can only hope and pray for that uh, this year. I know uh, it's kind of a, 
a, a season where people are putting corn and beans in the ground, the commodity prices are low, uh, we're, we're looking at just a lot of doom and gloom out there. But farmers are optimistic. Uh, you know, we're going to do our best, and, and hopefully all these other things will uh, will be solved by the time we uh, run the combines in the field uh, come fall. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you take hope from that last year, as you said, you got off to the slow start, but yet you had very good yields. Uh, there's so much focus now on the benefits of early planting. Uh, it just seems like it takes a lot. You got to have a lot of things go right for you then the rest of the year if you don't get that good start, right? It is, Mike. It's kind of like a race. You know, if you're slower out of the starting blocks, it's a little bit more. Uh, harder to make up that ground and depending on how long these weather systems last uh, we'll be even slower out of the starting blocks and I think you know some of the uh, folks talking about uh, prevent planting that will be very real Uh, certainly if we get into uh, later May and some of these fields I know probably the last uh, 10% or so acres that I would plant uh, you know are just just way too wet I'm going to need about three weeks of dry weather even to think about going in there. So I think the option will be not for people to switch from corn to soybeans, but rather uh, switch from uh, corn and soybeans to prevent plant and make those decisions based on that. There, In your area and in a lot of areas, Greg, I think there are a lot of those decisions that are are yet to be made, but will be made here in the next what well, few weeks because depending on their weather situation you got all those options uh corn acres to bean acres uh none at all if you go to prevent i mean there's just so many questions that are just kind of hanging there well that's certainly true and that will be determined here by the next couple of weeks for sure that will help make those decisions but yet even the long-range forecasts are still uh, not breaking out of this wet cool period it's it's going to be hanging around for a while and and unless uh, something drastically changes to make that happen uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out i know even with the cooler weather and the cool season grasses like that and love the moisture but we just haven't had the sunshine and enough warm weather for uh, pastures to really take off as they should Um, i turned some cattle out on grass uh, yesterday but uh, just simply to get them out of a muddy yard and uh, just to get them on some grass and a small pasture to get going. But uh, those are things or types of things are, are, are the events that the farmers here in northeast Nebraska are facing. We hope it improves soon. Yeah, we do too. And uh, hopefully next time we talk to you, we'll hear about your everything planted and looking good. That would be great. Greg, thanks a lot. Good luck. Thank you, Mike. Greg Anderson, who farms in northeast Nebraska. Tomorrow we're going to talk about uh, the impact of this late planting and the yield impact. And, of course, keep an eye on the China Talk. So if you'll join us here on AOA.